According to the National Library of Medicine, the average group of people to experience sleep paralysis are students. We didn't need a website to tell us what college kids already know. But anyways, cue the intro. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. I really hope y'all enjoyed that intro. I'm kind of trying to see different intros to kind of hear how they work. But anyways, I do apologize for extending the time needed for each episode, but I feel by doing this, the quality will improve as needed. Before we get into this week's topic, I'd like to ask you all a question. Have any of you heard of the term shadow people? I assume some of you have, but... It's understandable for those who haven't. Many people think of shadow people as uh, made-up stories or what's commonly referred to as uh, creepypasta. Thousands of people have seen these alleged entities. But what, what are they exactly? Are they the spirits of the deceased who don't have enough energy to fully manifest? Are they more sinister? Borderline demonic? Or are they a type of extraterrestrial life? Let's find out. So a lot of research has went into this episode, simply because of different explanations into what shadow people are. I'll do my best to dive into each and give detailed descriptions, but I'll start off with some definitions. According to Wikipedia, they describe a shadow person as, quote, the perception of a patch of shadow as a living humanoid figure and interpreted as the presence of a spirit or other entity by believers in the paranormal or supernatural. Uh, the website Bustle.com, uh, the psychic named Renee Watt, uh, explains that shadow people are often thought of as ghosts or a collective of negative energy. So I'll go ahead and tell y'all what my thoughts of shadow people were before I started doing research. Uh, I thought shadow people were uh, spirits that... Um, depending on how much energy they had, would be how they would show themselves. So, uh, for example, uh, ghost orbs would indicate that the spirit had very little energy to manifest, and that was the only way they could. Uh, following that would be a shadow figure, then after that would be a full-bodied apparition, almost like you're looking at another person. But, anyways, uh, one of the theories of shadow people... And this one has to deal with sleep paralysis. Uh, according to the Science Direct website, sleep paralysis is a curious condition where the paralyzed person may hallucinate terrifying ghosts. These hypnogogic and hypnophomic visions are common worldwide. They often entail seeing and sensing shadow beings, although hallucinating full-fedged figures, example, cat-like creatures and witches, are not uncommon. So, I had no idea what a hypnagogic and hypnophomic meant, so here are their definitions. Hypnagogic is an adjective referring to the state immediately before falling asleep, 
while hypnophomic refers to the semi-consciousness before waking up. So with this information, I'd like to go over the different stages of sleep as I personally think it give us a better picture when talking about each of the states. So the Sleep Foundation website shows that there are four stages of sleep. The first three stages are referred to as NREM or non-rapid eye movement and the final stage is REM or rapid eye movement. So the hypnagogic state would be referred to as the state that happens right before stage three which is often referred to as the deep sleep stage. Uh, during the stage muscle tone, the pulse, and breathing rate are said to decrease. And the brain has been documented to create patterns known as delta waves. Uh, delta waves are believed to emerge from the thalamus, which is located near the center of the brain. So following stage three, or in other words, deep sleep, is the hypnophomic stage. So knowing all those stages, it kind of paints a uh, better picture for us to see. It's believed that during stage three, the deep sleep, is when sleep paralysis usually occurs. According to the Sleep Foundation website, uh, sleep paralysis is identified by the brief loss of muscle control, which is referred to as an Antonia. Health experts categorize sleep paralysis as a type of parasomnia, or abnormal behaviors during sleep. Uh, the reason I mentioned all of the sleep paralysis and the stages of sleep is it's believed that this is when people uh, hallucinate. Of these reported hallucinations are darkened figures. On the National Library of Medicine website, a researcher at Harvard University named Baland Jal, Jalal, yeah, Balan Jalal had created a hypothesis that patients where the right hemisphere of their brain had been damaged would be less likely to hallucinate spirits or shadow people. What does that have to do with anything? Well, the right hemisphere of the brain is referred to as the creative side of the brain. It also includes uh, emotional thought, more impulsive than the left hemisphere, but mainly it's the creative so people think that the creative part is what causes hallucinations. As I mentioned earlier, it's believed during sleep paralysis is when people hallucinate. The National Library of Medicine also conducted a survey in which over 8,000 people were involved. Of those participants, it was believed that 39.6% had experienced sleep paralysis at least one time in their life. It was also recorded to be more frequent among the younger participants, and it was documented to be higher among the women rather than the men. During sleep paralysis, however, uh, people are believed to hallucinate events that can be put into one of three different categories. Uh, those categories are called intruder hallucinations, chest pressure, and vestibular motor. Uh, intruder is the perceived feelings of a dangerous person or presence in the room. I would go on a limb and say it's, it's possible that you can put shadow people into this category. Uh, the second category, chest pressure, also referred to as incubus hallucinations, is when people feel like they are suffocating. 
And finally, the vestibular motor is when people experience the feeling of flying or any other type of uh, out-of-body experiences. But let's go ahead and take a quick break and hear a word from the show's sponsor. Hey everyone, it's Brendan here from Cookville Ghost Hunters. Have you ever wanted to create your own podcast, but didn't have the money or time into researching it? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then Anchor is your answer. Anchor is a free podcasting application where you can create your own podcasts with some creation tools that allow you to record and edit from your computer, and even your phone. You can also make money off of them with no minimum listeners required. They'll even distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to Anchor today. So now that we're back, let's continue where we left off. Of those who experience sleep paralysis, they recount seeing shadow figures, be it one figure or multiple figures. Descriptions of the shadow figures differ from being tall to average height. But most descriptions are similar when it comes to physical features. Almost all report being unable to see features such as a mouth, nose, or an eye. Just a shadow. According to the website shadowpeople.org, people have reported seeing hatted, hooded, and cloaked figures. The website states, quote, Some are seen only from the waist up. Others clearly have legs that are seen fleeing from their observers. They dart into corners, through halls, and into closets, or behind television sets, bushes, and buildings. Now, I did say hatted figures. One shadow figure that mainly people report is referred to as the hat man. Uh, This entity is characterized by its appearance. Although there's no physical features, as I mentioned with shadow people, This entity most commonly wears a hat, normally a fedora, but it has been reported to wear like a uh, cowboy hat, I guess in Texas or some other place. But along with wearing a fedora, it also wears a trench coat, and some people have reported it to be carrying a, a watch, like a locket. There's hundreds of theories of the true identity of the hat man. Uh, One theory comes from a psychology professor from Goldsmiths, a University of London named Christopher French. His theory is the hat man is subconsciously influenced by people thanks to pop culture. Of course, pop culture gets blamed for everything. Uh, The example he gave was the hat man had some resemblance to Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, French had said, quote, When I sat and thought about the hat man, the thing that came to my mind was Freddy Krueger. This notion that you can be attacked when you're asleep, that's when you're vulnerable. And of course, Krueger wears a hat. Um, this could be plausible for very few accounts. But what about those that have never seen Nightmare on Elm Street or even heard of Freddy Krueger? I I don't put a lot of stock into that theory. But another theory, another theory of the hat man is it's a tulpa that people have accidentally created. I covered tulpas in a previous episode, so I'm not going to go in depth with it. But if someone had written a fake story about the hat man, 
described it in detail as, of course, wearing a hat and a trench coat and also having red eyes, then people would begin to believe it exists, which eventually creates this tulpa. Uh, this theory is also flawed because there's bound to be cases of people who actually fall victim to the hat man but don't know the existence of it or shadow people in general. Before the age of internet, uh, thousands of people had encounters with shadow people and were unable to post it on like Reddit or wherever millions of people read about because the internet's kind of new in the grand scheme of things. Now, here's a theory that I found interesting, and this can be found in the Quran. According to the text, a jinn is a supernatural creature that is invisible to the human eye, as humans have no such powers to see them. A jinn is also described as a being below the level of angels and demons. According to the Britannica website, jinn delight in punishing humans for any harm done them intentionally or unintentionally, and are said to be responsible for many diseases and all kinds of accidents. So by saying this, this theory could be that shadow people and the hat man itself are entities called jinn. Now here's another theory. At the beginning of 2021, the Pentagon officially released reports of UFOs. With that happening, uh, this theory is more believable, but some people believe that shadow people are um, called observers, uh, extraterrestrial in nature. Uh, personally, I, I don't have a lot of stock into this theory, so to speak, but it is a theory nonetheless. And coming back to the hat man specifically, there's one last thing theory on him that I'll touch on. Uh, many people report the hat man to be a bad omen, more so an omen of death. It should be noted that many people report seeing him holding a watch, which could indicate that someone's time is running out. A podcast I listen to frequently called uh, Graveyard Tales has also covered the topic of shadow people, so if you want to give them a listen, Go check them out after the episode's done, of course. Uh, but with all this said, I would like to share some stories about Shadow People and the Hat Man. Uh, the links to these will be provided in the show notes, along with all the sources I used. But here's the first one. This one is titled Sleep Paralysis and the Hat Man. I've had sleep paralysis three times in 30 years. The first time was in the 80s. I woke up, couldn't move, but found myself in another room. I felt an evil presence. To my right, I could make out a black shadow-like figure with a hat, then woke up. Years later, it happened again, but I really don't remember seeing the hat man again. Then about a year ago, I found myself woke up, but couldn't move. This time, I felt myself being slid off my bed by my sheets. I knew something evil was waiting at the end of the bed, but again, I woke up. 
my daughter has also had sleep paralysis. This next one is called, I have never felt fear like this. It's a bit longer than the first one, but I found it a great story. The first time I seen this figure, I was about 16 years old. I was lying in bed and couldn't sleep. From where my bed was positioned, I could see down the hallway. I seen him standing down the hallway outside my brother's room. He was facing my brother's bedroom door, so I was looking at his side profile. He was tall, wearing a long trench coat and a fedora-like hat. He had no distinguishable features, and it was dark as the hallway light was not on, so I couldn't see any features like a mouth or eyes. I was frozen with fear, and after a minute or so, he just walked into my brother's room and out of view. I lay terrified, waiting for something to happen, because I just knew it was something more realistic than a ghost. After about 15 minutes of lying terrified, I got up the courage to go wake up my parents. Their bedroom was just past my brother's, so as I was passing, I looked around the room as quickly as I could. My brother was still sound asleep, and no tall man in sight. My dad searched the house, making sure I hadn't seen an intruder, and he just shrugged it off that I had been seeing things. For months later, I seen the exact same thing. He was standing in the same place and walked away in the same manner. Until one night, he was standing at the foot of my bed. He wasn't looking at me, but looking down towards the floor. Frozen with fear, I shouted for my parents as loud as I could in that moment, and again, he just slowly walked away out of view. My parents again thought nothing of it. One night, I woke up to the feeling of someone sitting down on the end of my bed. Over in the corner, there he was. I wasn't sleeping because he had me feeling terrified, but then I started seeing him in broad daylight. For example, I was in the kitchen making a sandwich, and from the side of my eye, I seen someone walking across the hallway. I wasn't expecting anyone to be home, so when I focused and realized it was him, I had never felt fear like that. I kept watching him, and he just walked into the living room out of sight. I was so terrified, I locked myself in the kitchen with my dog and a knife. I'm not one to believe in ghosts, but this is too real. I'm 20 years old now, and even thinking about him terrifies me. So what'd y'all think of that one? Well, I got one more. This is the longest, but I feel you're going to see why I decided to add this one. It's titled, A Cloaked Silhouette of What Appeared to Be a Man. My experience happened about eight years prior to submitting this story. I was 20 years old and never had a paranormal experience before or after. The girl I was living with at the time and I were discussing Ouija boards, and I had brought up the fact that I had never played with one. She used to be into witchcraft and black magic and was knowledgeable enough to know that you can make your own Ouija board 
with the same effectiveness as any other. So we did. Now, I don't recall asking any questions that brought us to this point, as I only recall asking standard questions, testing the waters. Uh, Rhonda, the name the entity gave us, was guiding our conversation to where I believe it wanted it to go. Before I knew it, we were being told to go behind and find a rusted gun. The entity spelling, I remember, it misspelled some other fairly simple words, but I'm blanking on the specific words. Uh, we asked if there was any other entities in the house. This entity told us that there was a man. We asked if the entity would talk to the man and ask if it would speak to us. The entity simply told us it was afraid. When we asked why, this entity told us it couldn't talk to us anymore. After about 30 seconds, the temperature began to noticeably drop, and we had a cat at the time that started to spaz out for no reason. Usually a timid cat, he started sprinting around us and the Ouija board, but when he got close to the board, he stopped and backed away. He couldn't go within a foot of it. I asked if Rhonda was still there. I used a pendulum as the conduit between me and any entity that would communicate, and I swear to this day that this is the moment that turned me from a skeptic to a full-fledged believer in the paranormal. The pendulum didn't gently swing as it had been doing before. I felt what seemed like a small electric current course through my arm, and something grabbed my forearm and started to move it to the word no. I immediately dropped the pendulum and destroyed the board, swearing to never touch one again. At the time, I wasn't aware that there is supposed to be some sort of closing ritual or prayer or something along those lines that you're supposed to perform at the end of any session. Eventually, the temperature became normal again, but the strangeness of the air remained. We were in the process of getting a new bed frame and were sleeping on just our mattresses that night. I had just came into bed and laid down. My ex-girlfriend was sound asleep. I remember staring at the black screen of the TV that was turned off when all of a sudden I felt something brush against my feet. And I turned to my ex-girlfriend and asked, Do you feel that? She replied, Yeah, and just fell back asleep. I rolled from one side onto my back. I looked up above my head where the closet was, closed, so I knew what I saw was not my clothes hanging and casting odd shadows. Now when I looked up, I saw what looked like a tall, cloaked silhouette of what appeared to be a man who was almost hitting his head on my eight and a half foot high ceiling, standing at about seven to eight feet tall with what appeared to be a tall top hat. I could not make out any other clothing and could not see any shoes or feet. It was strange the way it moved. It was also thought it shook the foot of my bed and by the time I looked up, 
it had made its way around the bed and toward the doorway. And it moved at a pace to where it wasn't slow, but it was obvious this thing wasn't in a hurry either. Almost like it wanted me to catch a glimpse, or just wasn't too concerned about seeing at all. Like it knew I had no idea what the heck it was. I still feel uneasy when I tell the story in detail, which this is the first time I have since the incident, besides mentioning it to my current girlfriend. I have to connect the Ouija board experiment to this. I opened a door that I wasn't meant to open, and I can tell you that I have never had an experience like that before or since the incident. My ex-girlfriend did some sort of smudging or something along those lines and put some special sort of salt in certain areas of our home, and it seemed to work. Or maybe the entity wasn't interested in us. Although our relationship became very volatile and eventually deteriorated after this. Maybe its negative energy never went away. Whatever these things are, I don't think we are meant to understand them or their purpose. For some reason, they like to watch us. And every now and then, they show themselves. But I believe they are always around us so what did y'all think uh, the third one that, that was really good i really enjoyed that but um are shadow people and the hat man a symptom of sleep paralysis or something darker if you enjoyed this episode let me know we're about to hit our 10th episode which i'm extremely excited for it's because of you all that i can keep doing the podcast before we part ways for now I'd like to remind people again of the upcoming listener stories for Christmas episode. You all still have time to email me your ghost stories. They don't have to be real. They could be made up if you're a great storyteller. The email to send them is cookvilleghosthunters at gmail.com. Also, check out our Facebook page. I broke down and I got it. It's there. And also check out our YouTube channel. So for now, I'll catch you all in the next episode. Goodbye.